if we can get an insight into the White House or the president or the, the prime minister's inside room, what would we see? On this episode of Inverse, we need an inside peek into the living room of Jesus Christ. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, we're so excited that you decided to join us for this episode of Inverse, especially as we study the entire book of Revelation. On this episode, we're going to look at Revelation 4 and 5, and we're going to look at a particular room. This is the room where Jesus is at, and this just, this vision takes the cake. It takes the prize. It is number one when it comes to the glory and the, the awesomeness, and just it's just the craziest vision ever, and there's just so much in scripture. So, Jonathan, can you pray for us and we'll dive right into scripture? Absolutely. Let's pray. God, you're glorious, you're beautiful, uh, you are the majesty of heaven. And as we approach um, Revelation chapter 4 and 5, and as we try to see in who you are and how you are, we just pray that you will give us that revelation through the Holy Spirit as we study your word. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Siku, can you pick up from, we're going to read Revelation chapter 4, and well, let's read verse 1 and 2 there. All right. Revelation 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Okay, we'll get to Sebastian, but CK, I wanted to ask you, uh, we've been covering in the last episode, uh, I think you were in the last episode, yeah? <laughs> uh, we were looking at the seven churches, and all of a sudden, boom, we're in the throne room. Um, describe a little bit about this transition a bit. Well, I mean, the last church that we look at in Revelation chapter 3 is the Laodicean church. Mm -hmm. And after he goes through the council and he says in verse 21 of chapter 3, mm -hmm. to him who overcomes, this is the reward that, that's given to those who overcome, to mm -hmm. him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne mm -hmm. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm -hmm. So the, the reward that is given to the last church that has been mentioned in Revelation 3 is sitting in his throne, his being Jesus' throne. Mm -hmm. And then we're taken into the throne room in heaven. And it's mm -hmm. almost like, let me give you a picture of what that throne actually looks like. Let me mm -hmm. give you a picture of the awesomeness of the mm -hmm. promise that I've just given you to sit in my throne. Because you mm -hmm. might be like, eh, sit in his throne, eh, whatever. But it's like, no, this, <laughs> is, this is really awesome. So we go in Revelation chapter 4. And we're in the throne room. Yeah, some theologians have said, if you go back to the seven churches, that the first church gets one reward, the second church gets two rewards, the third church, blah, 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 and then the mm -hmm. sixth church gets six rewards. And then the seventh church, if you look at it, more what you just read, we get to sit with Jesus on the throne. You get one reward. I mean, but this is like this one Superior. reward is like, the seventh, like, ah, you know, awesome reward. So let's go zoom into chapter four. And then, Sebastian, what is going on in chapter four? So John is taken up. Yep. We're into living. We're in the, the living room, the most intimate place of God, if you will. Mm. And what's going on there? So essentially what we see is we get a glimpse into the existence of how God rules over all things. Mm. We're going to the center space, the very heart of the government of the universe. Mm. And so it, it gives you a glimpse of here is God. And it starts off by saying there is a throne 
and there's someone that sits upon that throne. This is like Buckingham Palace. This is the White House, the it, Pentagon, Air Traffic Control Office Center. You're not, yeah. you're not getting access to this place, right? Yeah. Unless you're actually brought or invited or called. I love that. There, mm -hmm. There's no access into this place unless you're called. And John is getting there through access of the spirit to be in vision. Mm -hmm. So as he's taken into this place, then we begin to see what is around this space mm -hmm. of the 24 elders and four beasts and seven spirits, and all these things are all around the throne. Everything is around the throne. Mm -hmm. So when you look there in the verse, right, it tells you, um, starting in verse 4, it says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Mm -hmm. And verse 5, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And every single preposition is always referencing the throne. Mm -hmm. So this is around the throne, from the throne, before the throne, which establishes the fact that the throne of God is the very central place of worship. Mm -hmm. All worship basically gathers around this particular place. Mm -hmm. That word throne is repeated like a bazillion times mm -hmm. in that passage. Absolutely. And I love your, your breakdown of the passage. There's all these prepositions in relation to the throne. Mm -hmm. That's right. That, that's, that's an amazing insight. That's amazing. Well, give us more insights on, on the grandeur of, of this, the majesty of this room. Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. When you read through it, uh, I, I'm trying to in, in, envision what what, uh, no pun intended, envision what, uh, what John was saw, seeing in vision here. And he's trying to use the language that he has available to describe it to us. But, yes. you know, it says here uh, in, in verse um, uh, 3, And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow. It, it, it was a, it's a glorious appearance, okay? It's just beautiful. There's, there's light there is, there's, you know, sparkles. It's just, it must be... Sparkles. Well, you know, <laughs> maybe not sparkles. I don't know but... if I see sparkles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> see hearts it's, it's and sparkling. rainbows. It's sparkling. And... It's just, a, it's a glorious place. Yes. And I can, I, I can generally imagine it must be this, this, this place of light. Yes. Uh, I mean, in other places in the Bible, the book of Daniel, when he sees the, the throne room, he sees fire and he sees light and, and, mm. and just glory. I mean, this, this is probably the brightest place in the universe because mm. God is there mm. who is light. Mm -hmm. And, and I like in, just kind of going with what they both were saying in verse 8, where it talks about the four living creatures who have six wings full of eyes without and within. What they're saying, where they don't rest day or night saying, holy, mm. holy, holy, mm -hmm. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Mm -hmm. um, all the prepositions about the throne, I think, are important because they're surrounding, they're, they're associated with the throne. Mm -hmm. But the importance of all of these things that are surrounding the throne is actually who sits on yes. the throne. Yeah. And then the, the focus is drawn to the one, the being who sits on the throne as the one who is holy. He is holy and so holy that you have to say three times, like, like mm. whoa, 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 like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. For emphasis, right? So I'll say that, that um, I think the throne room is magnificent because of mm -hmm. the one who sits on the throne. Right. Amen. And you know? also, if you look at verse 6, right, you have verse before six. the throne... Okay there was a sea of glass like crystal, mm. right? And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. So you also have this sense of a royal scene, right? You have this grand throne and 24 thrones around this throne. Then you have these four living creatures. Then you have this sea of glass. Mm. I mean, you're thinking about the fact that, you know, this table is glass, but to have a sea of it, mm -hmm. to be that vast around the throne, that means this throne room is massive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
here you have these beings all reflecting light, seven lamps, the rainbow, the emerald, the shining, the, the, the sort of precious gems that are surrounding this whole experience. And he's shining like Jasper, which is kind of like that bronzy, orangish color mm -hmm. um, that's emanating from him all in the midst of all of this shining glass. I mean, that reflecting on glass would be an amazing sight. Mm -hmm. Can you guys give more insight? I mean, this, this is pretty an incredible scene. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost as if if, this, if God had given us a visual, it would have taken away from the actuality of the throne room. So mm -hmm. it's written out in text and allowing our imagination to feel the limit uh, to, you know, not being able to grasp the scene. But mm. yes. what, what I'm gravitating towards is not only the person in the throne, but also these creatures, mm -hmm. these four creatures and mm -hmm. 24. Can you guys give insights on, on that? Jonathan, who, well, who are some of these people and, and what's the meaning or is there meaning? Yeah, well, there's these uh, 24 uh, thrones with 24 elders mm -hmm. uh, sitting there. And I think it's very interesting. It says they're clothed in white robes here in verse 4. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they have crowns of gold on their heads. Mm -hmm. Now, if you, you know, we've been studying chapter one through three in previous episodes, and there we see in chapter three that there's a promise in uh, chapter three, verse five, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we see this promise. This is, this is pointing into the direction that this are human beings. Mm -hmm. These are people who have been redeemed, people mm -hmm. who have accepted Jesus, and they are now have the privilege. The they are basically receiving the reward of chapter 3, that you, what you uh, alluded to here, and mm -hmm. in the end, mm -hmm. they will sit with the Father on the throne. So there's, these are human beings, and there's, you know, different ideas of where they came from. Uh, one idea is that uh, the book of um, Matthew says that when Jesus um, died on the cross, mm -hmm. there were individuals that were resurrected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, there Which was is a very a small detail mm -hmm. that Matthew just kind of glosses over. Right. You know? And by the way, there's some resurrected, right. which, which I'm thinking <laughs> like, Whoa. what? And then what happened to them? Right. Well, it doesn't say necessarily exactly what happened, mm. but I don't know if I was God, would it make much sense to have them be resurrected and then die again? Mm. What's the point of this? So mm. maybe these are what the Old True. Testament kind of points to as first fruits, mm -hmm. taking them to heaven as, an, as, a, as a security. Hey, they're there, but you're going to be there too. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly where I was going to go is the fact that here are these people who are clothed in white raiment, right? That symbol of Christ's righteousness, mm -hmm. the fact that they've overcome you know, goes to show you that it is very possible to overcome. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, it gives you hope in any situation that there's hope in the fact that God is still on the throne right. even after Laodicea, mm -hmm. right? So you have a church that's completely mediocre, has no clue of its spiritual lethargy, but someone is still on the throne. Then you have the second encouragement from the throne is the 24 elders. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wait, there's people just like me who have actually overcome and have actually are sitting and receiving that reward of sitting on the throne with mm -hmm. Jesus. And the third thing it tells me is that I am called eventually to royal service. Mm -hmm. Like to sit on the throne is serious business. Mm -hmm. And how do you train someone to rule? How do you train someone to be a king? Mm -hmm. So it goes to show you that even in my own life, I have to think about how I use power, how I exercise leadership in my own life, recognizing that one day I'm going to sit on a throne that doesn't yield power over a home mm -hmm. or doesn't yield power over an organization or a business, but over the universe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. Yeah, Lucifer, yeah. the promise in, in Revelation 1, where he calls us to be kings and priests. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And here he you see a preview, if you will. Mm -hmm. There is that Old Testament, uh, it's in Leviticus, where the priest 
uh, comes and, and waves a barley sheaf before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And barley was always the first fruits of the harvest. Barley, apparently, I'm no agriculturist. I've never <laughs> grown barley. I've never grown anything. I was going to ask. I, I, everything I grow dies. But here, the, <laughs> the, your children. my children Amen. are not dead yet. Uh, and then, and hope, not, anyway, we move Amen. on to the, the barley is the first thing that grows out and wheat is the last thing that grows. Mm-hmm. So the barley being the first, they take the first fruits of the, the, the barley mm-hmm. and they wave it before, look, kind of like a down payment, kind of like, right. hey, if these guys are, are before you, there's going to be the final payment at the end mm-hmm. of the wheat. And so you see that all throughout Scripture, especially in Revelation, that wheat, the wheat uh, harvest, the wheat mm-hmm. harvest, that's the last day reaping of, of mm-hmm. the saved. So this is cool that the, if the 24 are up there, then there's hope for all of us. Amen. The glorious question is, who are these 24? And I think that's a, that's a, that's a question above our pay grade. We'll find out when we're at the, at the wheat we harvest who the, right. the barley people are. Uh, but, okay, some other things. The four beasts, why are they there? Any insights you can give on that? Um, well, I think you have, the four beasts definitely have this sense of, you know, the covering cherub in the sanctuary in the Old Testament. Yeah. And I think that there's an opportunity there to explore what these beings serve as in the presence of God. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to explore who these four beasts are. We have to take a break right now. And I love interrupting Sebastian, but when we come <laughs> back, he's going to talk about the four beasts of Revelation 4. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the break. We've been really anticipating what Sebastian has to say. The four beasts, Revelation 4. I mean, this is these, these beasts are found in Ezekiel 1. They have four different faces. They have, it's kind of a weird description. Mm-hmm. Uh, any insights you can give on that? Well, I think when you look back in Isaiah chapter 6, um, in verse 2, there's a vision that Isaiah has, mm-hmm. and he sees something that has similar descriptions and is engaging in similar activities. Mm-hmm. So you see in, in chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Mm-hmm. So it, it seemed to suggest that these beings are symbolic of angels that dwell in the mm-hmm. actual presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously that goes on along with what we talk about in Ezekiel chapter 1, which you just referenced. But this essentially looks at the fact that Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that these angels, all angels are ministering spirits mm-hmm. sent forth to minister to those who will be inheritors of salvation. Mm-hmm. So in this sense, these beings are there almost in a sense like here's the 24 that we help minister to to get to this place. And they're still there in the presence of God to fulfill that purpose. Mm-hmm. So in essence, they're kind of like at the throne in the surface of the throne to bring those of us who are willing to surrender to Christ back to the throne. Yeah, what we're seeing here, I think, is is this is a global, not a global, a cosmic, a universal. Mm-hmm. This is a a. I mean, they're they're aliens, if, if you will, you <laughs> know. Sure. And yeah. there's humans there, and this is on a on a galactic scale level of of the throne room. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to verse eleven. The Bible says in chapter four of Revelation, "You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor." 
honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they mm. exist and were created. I think we have to mention a little bit about about worship. Mm -hmm. um, they are worshiping the Lord here, and this sets up for chapter five. But uh, worth worthiness, worship. They're looking at. I mean, in in my limited way of thinking, they worth worship or worship is attributing numbers or value to everything in our lives. And then the one with the most value, the highest number and an infinite value is God. That's right. And we're saying, Lord, you have infinite value. Mm -hmm. And if you can mathematically yes. say right. it that way. Jonathan, well, what are more insights on worship? Well, you know, uh, what I love about this is in, in verse 8, it says that the living creatures, uh, they, they do not rest day or night. Mm -hmm in their worship. Mm -hmm. Why? Because God, who is infinite, mm -hmm. is worthy of infinite worship. When you realize who God is, and chapter 4 really you know, points to the fact that God is the creator. Mm -hmm. He is the one who has made all things. By Him, all things exist. He speaks, and it is there. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that is majestic when you realize that. Mm -hmm. And so worship really is, is acknowledging that reality, acknowledging that I am a creature. Mm -hmm. And you're the creator. You are the source of love, the source of life, the source of light. You are everything to us. Without you, we cannot exist. Mm -hmm. You're pure. You're holy. Mm -hmm. And it's just a beautiful description how God is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, always there. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the awesome thing is that in spite of all the grandeur that is surrounding them, mm -hmm. they're surrounded by all light and, and all these different colors, and you, it's a, a sensory-filled experience. Yeah. But in spite of that, what they focus on when they open their mouths is not, what a beautiful sea of glass. <laughs> you know, they don't say like... Good points. <laughs> when they open High quality mouth, glass, <laughs> corningware. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, no, they're when not focused they, on that. When they open their mouths, what they have to say is, mm. God is worthy. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we think about worship, it can become us focused. Yeah. You know, and, and mm. what I'm comfortable with, you know, or is, is the yeah. chair comfortable? You know, was it pleasing to my ears? Yes. But instead of being focused on, on those externalities by the things surrounding the throne, yeah. they're focused on you are worthy. Yes. So all this stuff, we want the place to be beautiful because you are worthy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the focal point. It's directional. And I love what you're saying. We have a problem in the, I mean, I'm getting excited here. We have yeah. a problem in the 21st century with TV and with cell phones and with tablets and everything. And in our entertainment culture, mm -hmm. the focal point is now to the audience. That even mm -hmm. in our churches today, yeah. mm -hmm. we don't call them congregations where people are meeting congregate. They're now the audience. The audience. We're going to make the audience experience as best as possible. Mm -hmm. But wor worship is is the audience is not the the focal point or people up in front do, mm -hmm. doing the music or preaching or whatever they're not the focal point but all these prepositions are going towards heaven and it yes. should be upward uh, it should be towards heavenward that's where now here's the weird point okay so we're going to transition to chapter five so all throughout chapter four is you are worthy you are worthy you are, and it's always kind of comical that the bible says in verse two chapter five verse two chapter four you are worthy you are worthy you are the chapter five verse two um who is who is worthy? worthy? 
<laughs> and then you're like, kind of like, duh, haven't you just read chapter four? But the answer is not chapter four. It's a different answer. So right. what's going on here, Sebastian? What's going on in chapter two? So, uh, chapter five, verse two. So here we see that the Bible tells us in the beginning of chapter five that the one who sits on the throne has something to give, mm. right? And in this thing that he has to give, someone else other than himself who is worthy to actually fulfill the work of unsealing this scroll mm -hmm. that he's brought together. Uh, when we compare this to Isaiah chapter 29, mm -hmm. it describes the idea of a book and a scroll being sealed that is a vision. Mm -hmm. um, and so in this particular vision, it uses in Isaiah the issue of literacy. Like, well, this man couldn't read the scroll, which is why no one was able to basically unseal it and read it. Mm -hmm. But in this sense, because of this particular sealed scroll representing this vision, almost symbolic of the book of Revelation, mm -hmm. but also extending even further to all of time, all of, all of history contained in this one scroll, it's like, well, who is worthy to read all of these things? Mm -hmm. And in this sense, the worthiness as the question is being put out there in verse three, I mean, verse two and in verse three says, and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So he weeps very much because no one was found worthy to read the book. And then he's comforted by the angel who tells him in verse five, or one of the elders, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed or overcome to open the scroll and to loose mm -hmm. its seven seals. Mm -hmm. So therefore Christ overcoming in our behalf, dying on the cross, resurrecting, and living a life of complete surrender and obedience to God and fulfilling that plan of salvation, now is now exalted to the vision where he can, on behalf of humanity, read it for us in order to unseal that vision. It's so cool that chapter four sets it up that not even a redeemed human being is worthy. Yes. Not even an angel is worthy. No. Only God is worthy. And then you have this, this individual emerges who has equal worthiness of God the Father on the throne. Mm. Yet in verse five, he's of the tribe of Judah. He's of a he's a human mm -hmm. being. Yep. Who and then you have this hybrid human God. I mean, who who is this guy? Everyone's <laughs> wondering. You know, son yep. of God, son of man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is there's a there's a climax that yes. we're we're getting to. And notice how this is parallel to the promise we started with in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Even as I also overcame mm -hmm. and sat down with my father on his throne. Mm -hmm. So here we see. Here's the father on the throne in chapter four. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus has overcome and now he's sitting down on the throne receiving that equal worthiness, which raises a question that the elder who made the statement to John already already said, you know what? Don't don't be sad. This person is the one that is worthy. Mm. So even the elder who was already in heaven, already sitting on the throne, recognized as a human being in this space. Jesus is the only person. Mm. It's only the lamb that's worthy. He understood it there. How much more should we, mm -hmm. right, on the earth, mm -hmm. understand the same reality? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I appreciate talking about the equal worthiness yes. in chapter 4, verse 11. 4, 11. Yeah, when it, when it establishes why mm -hmm. this being is worthy to receive honor, uh, glory, and power, mm -hmm. it says, for you created. Mm -hmm. It's his, his ability to create that makes him worthy in chapter 4. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in chapter 5, when you talk about worthiness, it is salvation. Mm -hmm. So you have this You, the you were slain, verse 9, right. for you were slain and have redeemed us. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Oh, uh, and the, so you have creation, salvation, mm -hmm. those, those, those are uh, the sources of worthiness. If you can create and you can redeem, then all right, go ahead and receive worship. But we, only, we know that only God... <laughs> 
can create and only mm -hmm. God can redeem. Mm -hmm. And so that's they, they what call it double ownership, that not? God created us and then God redeemed us. So we mm -hmm. are twice He created us and then over. He recreated yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, that's, and that's reflected again in the description of Jesus. It says he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That is, mm -hmm. That's victorious. The lion is, you know, the king of the animal kingdom, so to say. And, mm -hmm. and so Jesus is our king, but he's of the tribe of Judah. So this, this king with... Hu there's human, the human uh, element in this. And then he's the lamb slain at the same time as we, as we move on in, here in the chapter. So he is that king and that savior, the one who died for our sins. Okay, let me ask this question. I mean, we've been around this table here and we are, we are waxing eloquent on the <laughs> majesty. And, and that's true. I mean, it's, but uh, so what do you do with the person who's, who's, I still got credit cards to pay. I, I got just diagnosed with, <laughs> with, uh, with whatever, and mm. my family's going through whatever. My, my daughter, my, my mom. I mean, it's one thing that Jesus is up there and we're studying it, mm. but what are the practical ramifications for us today? Mm. Mm. You know, my, my mind goes to um, Hebrews chapter 4. Mm. Hebrews um, 4? Yes. Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, in verse 14, seeing then... Because uh, we're talking about Jesus, it established in chapter 5 of Revelation that Jesus is, is this lamb that was slain from the foundation of the, of the world. Yes. And Hebrews 4 has that idea in chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our con mm. confession. Right? And then, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the mm. throne of grace that mm. we may mm. obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm. Um, the fact that it's Jesus who is on the throne, this lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth, he didn't just die on a cross. He lived on this earth. Mm. You know, he went through the troubles that we experience. He knows what it's like to have a mother, to care about his brothers. He knows he's experienced pain. And Hebrews 4 is telling us that when we talk to God who is way up there in that throne room, we can approach with confidence a throne conveys the idea of power, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking to a powerful being, but not one who's detached from us. Mm. We're talking to a powerful being who's concerned with our mm -hmm. well-being and who empathizes with our mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And that gives us boldness in our Christian experience mm -hmm. so that whatever situation I'm going through, I know that I have someone who represents me in a position of power who can do something about it. Mm -hmm. I also look at the fact that um, Jesus being a human being helps me to know the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can get bogged down, you know, in our weaknesses, in our struggles. And sometimes it seems like, man, I'm never going to get over this anger. I'm never going to get under this issue of self-control or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. But Jesus, having been through what I've been through, and to know and to sit back in my living room and say, he's sitting on the throne right now yeah. next to God. And he, he's done that as a human being. Mm -hmm. And so it, it reminds me that Christ is the representative of my possibilities, what I can become mm -hmm. by His grace. Mm. You know, one word that comes to my mind that encapsulates this entire lesson is access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we live in an age where we want access to all these celebrities, all these people of power. We want to get into social media accounts. But sometimes these social media accounts are curated versions, the best versions of ourselves. And what here Jesus has revealed is access to the most powerful entity, not on earth, but in the universe. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the solution to every human problem out there. Mm -hmm. Why don't you offer up all your problems to the Lord Jesus? I know that that's our desire on this panel. Hopefully it's yours. Thanks for joining us.
We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Kelly Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.